Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast. I am Michael Obeyer. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, in which he intends, at the end of time, to raise up a people who will rule with him. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you to like our page, to subscribe to our channel, and if there is a notification bell icon, I would like you to hit that bell so you can be notified anytime we upload new videos. I want to encourage you to like this page so that we can develop the number of likes that we have so that we can come up in the rankings because we have a message that is critical for this hour and this time. So thank you so much for those of you who are already doing so. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can visit our website at templeoftruth.us. That's www.templeoftruth.us. Or you can go to patreon.com and look for our handle, Emerging Temple. Okay? Uh-huh. Now, of course, if this is an angel, he's a spirit, right? So he cannot be kind natural incense. We all know that, correct? Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yes. So this must be spiritual incense. That means there's a spirit that takes your prayer and cleanses it and takes it to God. Now, this angel that's here, who do you think that is? Anybody can answer, please. The angel in Revelation chapter 8, verse 3 to 5. Who do you think that angel is? It's those of us that are ministering. Okay, but he took our prayers. So it can't be us. Well, then it would be Jesus. So you think it would be Jesus? Who agrees with her? I, I said Jesus was, I didn't know that Jesus was an angel. Okay. You say exactly. So in other words, we're confused because here it's referring to this person as an angel, but this person is doing the kind of job we're told that Jesus is the one supposed to do. Now look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. Okay. And read verse 5. Everybody probably knows this scripture. Amen. 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 For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave all himself right. a ransom for all. Thank you. So, how could this angel be doing Jesus' job, acting as a mediator between we and God, when the Bible says there's only one mediator. 
I don't know if I recall the conversation we had. Yeah. Where we had to talk about the, the uh, linear, where we had to get the Bible that has different translations. And yeah. we saw how they referred to angel, but in the original version, uh, in the uh, Hebrew, it wasn't actually angel. It was, okay, talking of Elohim. No, that, that, that's Elohim. different. Yeah. That, so that I'm, happened I'm wondering, one time. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if this is the same here where maybe the translation has put angel in, in no, no. Jesus. No good, no, good point. That was in the Old Testament where they used the word Elohim. Mm. It happened one time, but good catch. Mm. Good catch. See, the word angel is used many times, okay, in the Bible. But actually, in the Bible, the word me and I call angel is always messenger. Okay? okay? There is no word like angel in the Bible. Are you with me, everybody? Yes. Everywhere yes. you see the word angel in the Bible, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, that's whether it's in Hebrew or whether it's in Greek, the word that was used there was messenger. Okay. So, did you know Jesus was a messenger? Mm -hmm. Yes. Who can tell me one scripture in which Jesus is called a messenger in the Bible? Okay, let's do a Google search. <laughs> Has anybody found it? I'm not sure. I think it might be Luke chapter 4. No, it's in the Old Testament. Oh. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. That means the book before Matthew. Now, remember, we're doing a study on Hebrews, so this, this is an important prep. Is it chapter 3, verse 1? Yes. Amen. 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 Behold, will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So you notice Jesus is called the messenger of the covenant. Do you notice he himself is going to come before he himself? Did you notice that? Yes. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to do that. But... <laughs> okay, you get, you, you get the picture now, right? Yes. When you read it, it's like 
Jesus is going to send somebody ahead of him. But he says he's going to send himself ahead of himself because he is the chief messenger of what? The covenant. Now, do you know the word messenger here is the same word the Bible translates as angel in other places? Interesting. But they got it correctly here because it sounded, you know, it sounded like, okay, we can't, they were afraid of calling Jesus an angel. So they called it exactly what it is, messenger. Okay? So he's the chief messenger of the covenant. What does that tell you? There are other messengers of the covenant. Do, do you guys know anyone else who's a messenger of the covenant? John the Baptist. Yes, very good. But how about you? You're a messenger of the covenant. Yes, well, you know, when we were back in Revelations, it says um, Christ Jesus. That means it's us. You well, mean, in first, you mean in, uh, in first Timothy chapter 2? Right, first Timothy Correct. chapter 2. Correct. Yeah. It's us with Jesus as the head. Yes. Good. I'm just trying to keep it simple. <laughs> okay. So, because remember... Um, Liz had said she can see there that it looks like it's Jesus, but she doesn't know how Jesus could be called an angel, right? Yes. So we said that yeah. the word angel in the Bible, in actually, when you read it in Greek or in Hebrew, it's always messenger. Okay? okay. Messenger. And so we now went to Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, where the word messenger is used to describe Jesus. Because he says that the messenger of the covenant in whom we delight, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord. Okay? Mm -hmm. He's going to come to his temple. Okay? Now, who is the temple of God? We are. There you go. So, since he came into your life, hasn't there been a transformation? Yes. There you go. Yeah. So, the temple he's talking about here is not some temple out in the desert. He's talking about you and I. That when just comes into your life. That's what he's talking about there. Okay? So, people today who have not gotten the meaning of the rituals, continuing the rituals, but you and I, with our understanding, we can go anywhere, see a ritual, and call the people and say, do you understand the meaning of this ritual? Take, take me right now to India and let people perform a ritual. For example, once a year, do you know what river all the people in India go to bathe? The Ganges. The Ganges. Well, do they understand that that is baptism? No. They don't. No. Okay. <laughs> so you can go anywhere. You can go to Brazil, into the rainforests, and see a shaman doing certain rituals. Watch the ritual. And you can call him aside and tell him how that ritual is symbolic of Christ. Because if they got it from the spirit world before Jesus came to them, it was always symbolic 
of God. Do you know that there are societies in the world that offered human sacrifice? Yes. Even to this day. Do you know this, that there are people in the United States of America that offer babies for sacrifice? Because we're supposed to be the most civilized nation in the world, right? Yes. Do you know we have people here who actually offer babies? And if, if you ask, why do you offer babies instead of grown adults? Why don't you just take some of the worst criminals we have in jail and offer? They will tell you that those criminals are not innocent enough. They need an innocent life. Now, I notice everybody's kind of quiet on me. Yeah, well, it's just the thought of it. Yeah, we know what you're saying is true. Okay. Now. <laughs> because, I mean, if you look at even in the uh, Hebrew scriptures, that they were to bring a sacrifice that was without spot and without blemish. In mm -hmm. fact, they went as far as offering their children to, the, to Moloch. And God was angry, remember? Yes. They were offering their babies in sacrifice. They were killing their own babies. Now, how do we do it today in a more sophisticated and civilized manner? Liz, what do you think? Abortion. Exactly. Take him to school. <laughs> Abortion. Abortion is human sacrifice. But most people think that the argument is based on the right of somebody to do this with her body or not. It's a beautiful argument. Okay? It's a beautiful argument. Now, it has come to the point where they're fighting to allow you, the doctor, to kill a baby that didn't die in abortion. Are you aware of that? Yes, they've been yes. doing it. Okay, so, oh, we thought the baby had died, but well, the baby's been born. Now, do you think these things are just legislative, or do you feel that the same spirits that for thousands and thousands of years have required human sacrifice are still requiring human sacrifice. I think we're still doing it. There you go. Do you know in the Bible, you had what they called male prostitutes? Yes. Okay. Why would you have male prostitutes? Oh, by the way, in the temple, I forgot to add that. I'm not talking of on the street. I'm saying in the temple. Why do we think that all those practices have ended? After all, you and I are still using incense in church. Even though Jesus has come. Why do we think those practices have ended? See, the reason we're studying the book of Hebrews is so that you and I can critically analyze the natural things that happen around you and I and see how they are related 
to the person of Jesus Christ. Now, do you all remember when Jesus said, except you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you? Yes. Okay, what, what, that was in the book of John. Can somebody find that for us, please? John chapter 6, from verse 52. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. John 6, verse 52 to 57. At this, the Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, how can he give us his flesh to eat? No, no, no. let's take it from uh, verse 52, 5-2. Oh, that is 5-2 in mine. Let's see. Yeah, that is 5-2 in mine also. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. You're right. Go ahead. Thereupon Jesus said to them, Let me solemnly assure you, if you do not eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has life eternal, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. The man who feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him, just as the Father who has life sent me and I have life because of the Father, so the man who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and died nonetheless, the man who feeds on this bread shall live forever. Take it to verse 60, please. He said this in synagogue instruction at Capernaum. After hearing the words, many of his disciples remarked, this sort of talk is hard to endure. How can anyone take it seriously? <laughs> okay. Okay. So, I have a question for you. Did Jesus, was Jesus a human being? Yes. No, he wasn't. At this time? Yes. He, the answer is yes. Oh. Jesus, Jesus, was, Jesus was and is a human being. Yes. Okay. Just was and is a man today. So definitely at this time he was a human being. He was hungry. He was thirsty, just like you and I. So he was a human being. Now he was saying that you need to eat his body and drink his blood to have some kind of energy, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, I want everybody to follow with me, please. Why do you think this is something unique just to him? Why can't you think that others can take from your life and have strength also? How can't you think that others can 
take from your life and you are going through sickness and disease not knowing that there are people who are vampirically sucking your life. Think. It's biblical. Nothing I'm saying is not biblical. Your life doesn't have the essence that life of Jesus has. doesn't have the power. Yes, because he was innocent, like a baby, more innocent than a baby. But the most powerful life is the most innocent life because the Bible says it has to be an animal that has no spot or what? Blemish. Blemish. Babies have no spot or blemish. They're innocent. So we kill them because we can use their life. There's mm. some medication that we take that actually has their cells. There's some body creams that we rub that actually have their cells. This is a fact. This is what we're dealing with. Wow. That's just the natural. But what about the spiritual? Their life is spiritual. And people can use that to have power over the society. They cannot have power over you because you are using the same principle that they understand. But now whose life are you pulling on? Jesus. There you go. A more innocent life than a baby. A more powerful life than a baby. So do not look at the things that are happening around us, whether they be political or religious, as just symbolic. They are filled with meaning that can only be deciphered through an understanding of who Jesus Christ means and is. Mm. So that's why you're studying the book of Hebrews. That's what Paul is trying to tell you, that there's meaning in everything around us. And he begins to break down for the Jews the symbolic meaning of what they do. So you need to be skeptical. You no longer want to deal with the society as though the society is a, quote, secular society. It's not. It's a very spiritual society. It's a very religious society. There's a reason you have two popes today. <laughs> okay? There's a reason. So I think we've taken up enough time on that today. So let's go to the book of Hebrews and so we can finish it up, unless somebody has a question. What were the last few chapters of Hebrews, please? 11, 12, and 13. Okay. Okay, anybody want to talk to us about what you got from um, 11, 12, and 13? I can talk about, I wanted to talk about chapter 11. Sure. That um, what stuck out for me was the faith 
that's discussed in chapter 11, um, particularly in verses one through three and um, in 25 through 27 and then 39 through 40. In um, chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verses one through three. Should I read it? Sure. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That uh, that passage struck me, especially in verse 3, because, you know, what we're looking at isn't actually what's there. You know, we see a lot of things, just like you mentioned about um, rituals and whatnot, that the rituals, we don't know what we're looking at, but even physical things that we see, we don't know what we're seeing. Um, but in verse 2, it says the elders, they're talking about Moses and Noah and all of the able, all of the, the um, biblical heroes that we know, all of the saints before us that came before Christ, that they had faith in something that they hoped for that they had not yet seen. Yes. And um, in verse 24 through 26, it talks about Moses. Um, shall I read that? Hebrews eleven twenty-four through 27. Sure. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Amen. So even Moses, who had all of the earthly riches afforded to him of the prince of Egypt, that he gave all of that up in order to pay attention to the will of God. And um, then in verse 39 through 40, after talking about all the different biblical heroes, well, not all of them, a whole bunch of biblical heroes in Hebrews 11, he says in verse 38, I mean, 39 and 40 in chapter 11, all these having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise, God having provided some better things for us that they without us should not be made perfect. So here we are um, fulfilling the promises that God made to these people that they died having not received the promise, but they still, in, even in death, still remembered their faith, that they knew what they had believed in. That's right. And, and this, is, this is referred to, this chapter is referred to as the great chapter of faith in the Bible. And it's all about what our daily lives, in other words, everybody has to have something they believe in. You know, when, when the American colonists, when the American um, people decided to fight for their independence against Great Britain, 
Great Britain was the most powerful um, empire. Okay. And what those guys did was they came together and said, you know what? If we stick together, if we hang in together, these are the advantages we have. We'll make it. And they, and they, and they stayed together. And they made it. But prior to them, people were upset. People were hurt. They didn't like the British rule in them, but they didn't have enough faith. You understand? I'm not trying to equate that, you know, to biblical faith or whatever. I'm just saying that what you read was about Moses believing that there was something greater. And for that, he was willing to give up all his wealth, earthly riches, because he could see something that you and I would have been like, this guy is crazy. Why would he give this all this up? You know, just lead a bunch of slaves, right? Mm -hmm. But his Bible is saying that he saw, if you look at what you read, Dr. K, in verse 26, uh, uh, verse 27, the very last um, sentence there where it says, by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seen. Okay? The key word there is seen, right? Mm -hmm. Every single one of us here has to have something that you believe that all of us, none of us here can actually believe. Do I make sense? Yes, I'm sure that each of us yeah. can think of something. Um, you know, that's where even the, the very beginning of the chapter where it says that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. There you go. They were not made of things that do appear to others. Yes. But they appear to you in your mind. This is what you believe. And you have yes. to stand for what you believe no matter what anybody else thinks. But too many of us stand for what we believe. You don't stand for what you believe. Now, if you stand for what you believe and what you believe is contrary to the word of God, are you standing right? No. no. That's not faith. That's rebellion. So, unless somebody can show you from the word of God where what you're believing is baseless because it's contrary to the word of God, you have to hang in there because there might have been other people that have come seeing the same thing you saw, but when they looked that no one else was seeing it or no one else believed it, they got scared and stopped believing. That is what we're talking about. Once you've entered into that thing, you're walking in the realm of faith. You're walking in the realm of power. That's what he's saying. So when you see that priest waving that incense, he's just doing a ritual. He doesn't, he has no faith. He knows that that smoke can't do anything. He knows that. He, does he actually believe some spirits are going to be like, oh man, can you smell that? We've got to get out of here. He knows that's ridiculous, but he does it year in, year out. Well, some of it also comes back to the times when um, the service was in Latin, the language which nobody understood, that when they saw the incense being swung, they knew that, 
that it was time to pray, that it was prayer time. There are a lot of things that are kind of clues as to what they were supposed to be doing, what was going on, if they didn't understand the language. So it was sure. symbolic, are you saying? Yeah, it sure, was symbolic. Sure. But, but, the, but the, point is, the point is, they couldn't set up a ritual because people couldn't speak Latin. That, there's no, they're not going to do that. They're doing these rituals because this is the ritual that was performed. There wasn't, when they started these rituals, there was no Rome. No, they, there was they no, hold on. There was no, there, there was no cathedral. There was no Catholic church. There was, it's none of that. Incense, you find incense in India. You find incense in Africa. You find incense all over the world. Do you understand? The key yes. thing is, what do, not, it's like, oh, why do they do this? Why did they do that? That's speculative. What we can tell is in scripture, we do see incense. And scripture tells us what incense symbolically represents. So whether, whether we see it in the Catholic church or whether we see it in some shrine, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Do you understand? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, does somebody else want to go into a, a chapter 12 for us? For me, chapter 12 is really just about our reward when we endure. So it's just following on from chapter 11, um, yeah. talking about faith. Um, chapter 12 is really just going into you know, being, the, being disciplined, endurance, and then the rewards thereafter. Um, that's what I got from, from you chapter read verse, You want to read verse 11? Verse 11? Yes, yeah. 10, 10 and 11. 10 and 11. It says, For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our prophets, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So he's saying here that we had natural parents, mommy and daddy, who disciplined us. Mm. Now, whether the, whether the discipline was wrong or right, Paul says he's not going to get into that. They did it based on how they thought was right. Mm. He said, but God does that to you for your own good. And while God is disciplining you, it doesn't feel good. He said, but at the end, you're going to grow into a more righteous person. Mm. Mm. The problem is we're never able to discern when it is God dealing with us and when it is Satan dealing with us. Sometimes Satan is dealing with you, say, God is dealing with me. That's because your eyes are blinded. Okay? God would never put you in a car accident. Do you know that? Yes. But... God can allow you 
to get into a car accident. Do you see the difference? Uh. Okay. So if you have a dream that you're about, you were traveling, you had a car accident, you don't wake up and start begging God, oh God, please don't let me get into a car accident. He has nothing to do with that. Somebody else is planning to put you in a car accident and now you have the blood of Jesus Christ that gives you the right to command that that thing's not going to happen. Right? Mm. So maybe that's a bit too extreme, but discipline, do you understand? Sometimes financial hardship is discipline because you might be too frivolous with money. Mm. Right? So mm. God will put you through a time when you go through financial hardship. So you learn how to relate with money when you have money. Okay? That's a good one, you know, lesson to get from the book of Hebrews. Mm. Sorry if I interrupted mm. you. Do you want to continue? Um, no, no, not really. I don't, this is something, I don't really have much from, from there. Or okay. even from 13, just a question. Okay. You know, for maybe when we go through the chapter 13. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Mom, do you want to talk to us about 13? Did no. you read it? Yeah, I did read it, but it's it's been several days. Okay. And I, and I didn't underline or anything. Okay. What about Liz? Is there anyone you want to talk about? Um, I think so the most important to me was to um it says we may say with confidence the lord is my helper i will not be afraid what can a man do to me i think sometimes that we forget that and i thought that was a really important part is that um you know um what chapter was that sorry 13 um Chapter okay. 13, number okay. six. Okay, sorry. I had that one marked too, Liz. Because I think um, sometimes, sometimes with chapter 12, you know, putting the two together, I think, and it even says here, it says, um, do not refuse to hear him who speaks, is that sometimes things happen and we we're not sure whether it's, I mean you know um, is it just a person doing something, and then our discipline might be you know and God will teach us that even though it was a bad thing we can get through it with with the courage and power of God, and um, you know um, and 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 for like just for today. So many people in the world are committing suicide because they don't have money and they don't have this or they don't have that. Instead of saying, I'm still alive and look at all these people on my block and we're all still alive and we can we can do something. Maybe we need to do something different. And um but they just get all afraid and so then they just, you know, um well, it actually says in chapter in in verse five, "Do not love money." Um, I think a lot of people love money more than God, and you know, yes, you might have to move into your friend's house or your sister's house, or you might have to all get together and say, 
see, how come somebody else owns all our house and can evict us? We're going to say that can't happen here. But there's all kinds of things people can do. But um, because God is our helper, but I don't think that God wanted us to all be sick or all, all lose everything we have. But if you can, if it says, you know, if you are content with what you have, well, what if you have nothing? Then be content with that. And when my sons were small, I told them, whatever you are in your life, be the best of it. You know, um, don't be, don't be that greedy banker that's doing bad things to people. And don't be that homeless person. You know, be the homeless person that's a good homeless person. Doing something with your life doesn't include getting you a house. But whatever it is, don't be laying in that gutter all dirty because I'll come up there and find you and smack you. <laughs> no, I think I to say that, but they knew I was. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, sometimes you go see homeless you know, I used to have to drive through downtown LA to get to work, and you would see people. They would just say, "See how happy." Good morning. How are you? How are you? Oh, I'm good today. Oh, don't feel sad. God is still with us. And you see other people just there laying, you know, laying out all dirty and everything, because they give up and they forget that God is God is there in that gutter. As he says it's in chat in verse five, I will never forsake you or desert you. Yeah. And I think uh, that that's something that is more important than um anything to me is that even when we feel deserted by God, God is still there. Right. That's another perspective. Billy, you said you had a question. Um, yeah, um, chapter 11 and 12 of, um, I'm sorry, uh, verse 11 and 12 of that chapter 13, where he says, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Yes. So that last bit I didn't quite understand what it meant by suffered outside the gate. Do you remember the he was taken by the soldiers, a cross was put on him. Mm-hmm. He was they were in the city where they tried him mm-hmm. and found him guilty. Mm-hmm. And then decided he should go and be sacrificed on the, on the, um, uh, what's that place called? Golgotha, right? Yes. That was outside the city. Okay. Okay. Now, I need you to understand one thing. When, when a, when a, an animal is killed for your sins, it is assumed that that animal is now has now taken your sins okay mm. okay so it is taken out okay it okay. is taken out and let go some sorry there are two okay let me let me start again 
usually there are two goats, okay? Okay. One is killed and you eat, or the priest eats, okay? Mm. Another one, the priest speak all the curses for the sin of the person on the goat. And the goat is taken outside the camp and let go into the wilderness. Mm. That is where you and I get the phrase scapegoat. You all, you all have used that word before, right? Yes. Okay. You find the scapegoat in the Bible. That's where that phrase comes from. The escape goat, the goat that escapes. Remember, you say, they made me a scapegoat, right? Mm. Yeah. You've heard people say that. They made me a scapegoat. What does that mean? It means I took the responsibility for something they did. So you find that in the book of Leviticus. Yeah. Okay. I, I think also, if yes. we look right here in Hebrews chapter 13, that um, if you start at verse 9, it says, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have profit, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. And then when you go down to verse 14, it says, for here have we, and 13 and 14, it says, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. So I think this is continuing where we started um, when Brother Mike was mentioning all the different rituals that different um, religions, religious around, people around the world have practiced, including the Hebrews, which had this practice of offering this kind of animal for this kind of sin, that kind yes. of animal for that kind of mm -hmm. sin. And these animals were sacrificed on the altar that now he's saying we have an altar where those priests don't have a right to eat or serve, don't have a right to eat. Mm -hmm. And that um, our city isn't a continuing city but we seek one that's to come. So it's kind of comparing, to me, it's kind of comparing and contrasting what religious people around the world have observed of, as religious practices with this new understanding of yeah. who God is. Yeah, so we notice he says, we should go out. Remember what I talked about, the scapegoat. Yeah. The scapegoat is sent out. It goes into the hills, into the mountains. It takes the reproach, okay? So mm. we right now are carrying the reproach, okay? Mm. We're carrying, okay? We're carrying the burden of the world. We're carrying, you know, that's why Jesus says, whoever, we for, whoever sins we forgive, it shall be forgiven them, right? Jesus yeah. took on the sins, is that not so? Yeah. Of the world. Now we are also symbolically, not in real life we're symbolically carrying the weight of the world the responsibility of the world god is not destroying the world today because of us okay so mm -hmm. we have been told to go remember what you read what k read it says 
we should go, I don't know if it was okay or, or you, we should go out to him. Verse 13. Yes, I read that, verse 13. Let us go out, therefore, unto him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. What is the reproach? That is, the reproach is the castigation, the name calling, the, the accusation of everything. Do you get it? Mm. Does everybody get it, please? If you're not, it's yes. very important. Yeah. Yes. That means that means you you're 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 being accused of things that you didn't do. Okay? okay. Literally. Literally. It could happen that way. It could happen some other way. Okay? okay. Yeah. And I think and, that yeah. continuing that in verse 17, it kind of solidifies exactly what you're saying. Go on then. It says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So, that's so that, that, verse, that verse there is not related to the things we're talking about. He's here, this well, verse here is just talking about... I, I understand as, the, way that I, the way that I see that it relates is that a lot, most of us, if we are unjustly accused of something, that we okay. rebel against the fact that we've been unjustly accused and we don't want to take that on us. No, of course, of course, of course. That, that's, that's in context, he's telling us that there are people amongst us who know the way better than we. And as we go through things, we should obey them. Do you understand? I get, I get what you're saying within the context. What, it in and of itself is not a part of the scapegoat thing. It's just saying, look, because you will see the same thing in that's verse true. seven. That's, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you'll see the same thing in verse seven. In fact, in all, remember, we're now at the end of the letter. Mm -hmm. And if you notice in all his letters at the end, he always starts to give some advice, how to behave. Do you understand? And yes. that's what's taking place. And the key thing to hold in mind is that it ends, chapter 13 ends with what UK told us, which was in verse 10. We have an altar of whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the Old Testament. Okay? Those, mm. So those in the Old, it's not just the Old Testament Hebrews. It means those in the ancient... Um, Catholic religion, in the ancient Indian religion, the ancient African religion, whatever, they don't get it. They don't, they're not, we don't fit in with them. Okay, we're going to be few of us out there. We can't fit into the normal church structure. Do you get it? Yeah. The normal church structure is part of the old. So he's telling us not to be ashamed to come out and go follow Jesus. Can we look at one last scripture, Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18. Amen. 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 Okay. Verse 4 and 5. Anybody can read. 
Everything we've said today, you can find everywhere in the Bible. Come out. And that's what the book of Hebrews is talking about. Paul is writing to his people and telling them, you all need to come out and say, here have we no continuing city. They can't even eat from the altar we eat from. Come out from them. Amen? Amen. Amen. All Amen. right. Any question, please? Question. So then I take it when you say in another way, saying um, the blood that he suffered outside the gate means outside the city. Was it? Yes. Did I say that? Jesus was tried in the city, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. And he was crucified outside there. Hmm. Okay. He took the sins of the city outside. Mm. Okay? Right. He took the sins of the city outside and okay. there became the scapegoat, took on the reproach. Mm. That's why you hear him at a certain point make a statement to God. Do you remember that statement, everybody? He made a particular statement to God at, while he was on the cross. Well, Eli, Eli, Everybody remember that? Yes. What does that mean, Dr. K? Um, uh, you know, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't no. know what they're doing. No, no. Why has thou forsaken me? There you go. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? In fact, it translates it right there for you. And it's right. not Hebrew. That language he was speaking wasn't Hebrew. He said, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. No, 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 no. Eli, Eli, labasabaktanai. That language is in Hebrew. It's not Latin. It's not Aramaic. It's no human language. The Bible translates it. Because if you read it, you will see the writer says, which meant... My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? The reason the Bible translator translated it for us was because it wasn't a human language. Okay? Yeah. Now, he made that statement because he noticed a particular thing had happened to him at that moment. Can anybody tell me what that particular thing was? His human body died? No, he was still speaking. If you, if, we, if you call any bishop, pastor this morning, he will tell you the answer. At that very moment, the Spirit of God abandoned Jesus. At that very moment, God put all the sins of the world on Jesus. And the Spirit of God left him. Because the Holy Spirit cannot be where there is sin. And so Ooh. Jesus screamed and said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Then he went to hell. Do you know what I just said to you is one of the first things we're taught, you're taught, it, where you become, we give your life to Christ and you have a mentor trying to teach you. That's one of the first, this particular scripture 
It's one of the first things. Because we all know that at that moment, that was what happened to him. Okay? All right. And by the way, that very statement, he made exactly in the sound of something. I don't know if it's to us. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from me? Okay? But when he was sitting on the cross, he didn't use a language that you and I know. He used a language that none of us understand. Do you remember when Daniel was with uh, the king and a finger came and wrote on the wall? Many, many tekel ufarasin. Everybody remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And nobody could understand. Nobody could translate it. All the wise men, none of them knew what the language was. And Daniel came and translated it because it was the language of God. It wasn't Hebrew, it wasn't Persian, it wasn't Babylonian, it wasn't Greek, it wasn't African, it wasn't anything. Amen. 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 All right, it looks like we've, we've had a lot of heavy food this today. <laughs> maybe it's time for us, maybe it's time for us to contemplation. Yes. Well, please, let's go to the uh, WhatsApp and, you know, put messages, questions there, and then we can continue to answer the questions, okay? And so I solicit your prayers. I solicit your support. Okay, I want to thank you for your time. For those of you who have been faithful, you know, uh, supporting this work, for being involved, sharing these videos. Okay, don't be, don't, don't, don't get weary. Don't be weary. Don't get tired. Your strength is supposed to come brighter and brighter every day. Okay, keep pressing on. Share these videos with your family and friends. Start watch parties on Facebook. Go over these videos so your friends and family can discuss it. Okay, and continue to write us. Write me through Facebook. Write me through you know, the, the comment section here on YouTube. Okay, so I want to encourage you. Thank you so much for the way you've been supporting us. Thank you so much for all that you've been doing. We really appreciate it. Remember what I said. If you want to continue listening to us, order, you can always go. Okay, to our website. You can see the online menu channels. That you can get us through, like I mentioned, um, Apple's iTunes, I met Apple iTunes, I mentioned um, Spotify, and I think Google. You can also, you know, there are other platforms also through which you can hear us through audio. Okay, I want to encourage you to subscribe to our channel and to, you know, hit the like buttons, hit the like buttons. I can't say that enough. Every time you want to hear us through YouTube, hit the like buttons. Now, if you're watching through Facebook. Or you're watching through some of the media like WhatsApp, it's not going to show here, so I'm not able to see your light. But if you're watching through YouTube, I want to encourage you. Or Facebook, wherever it is, I want to encourage you. Hit that like button. Okay? Hit that like button. It matters to us. Okay? Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for everything that you've been doing, you know, by watching our videos. 